Hello, 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 my fellow bookworms. How are you beautiful people doing today? You all already know who it is. And if you don't, it's your new internet best friend, Nia Phantom. Stick around for a little bit. Join the friend group. All you got to do is follow the podcast. No stress. Before we get into the juicy part of today's episode, if you were wondering, you can find me on Instagram at the Nia Phantom and everything else at Nia Phantom. That's N-I-A. P-H-A-N-T-O-M. For the podcast, it's 5W Phantom on everything, all social platforms. And for business inquiries, they're handled through email. And if interested, 5WPhantom at gmail.com is the address. Okay. Today, as you can see by the title, we will be continuing the house made by Frida McFadden. Yeah. The trigger warnings for the housemate include gaslighting, blackmail, profanity, torture, violence, murder, and captivity. So if any of those things listed is going to throw you for a loop, have you feeling a certain way, or as I said, trigger you, please click off. It's no issue. It's no problem. I'm worried about your mental health and the way you feel after listening to my podcast rather than you supporting me like i care about you first i'm putting you out first don't tune in and listen to the whole episode if you can't stomach something like this all right now as y'all know please do the recap first so let's go through a brief recap boom just when we come back it was hot okay so we found out last episode that nina actually knows about millie and andrew And how does she know? Because as crazy as she is, I don't know why this was such a surprise to me, but Nina had a tracker on Millie's phone, the same iPhone that she gave her when she first started to work for the Winchesters. I know y'all remember that. So, well, yeah. And how did Millie figure that out? When she was in the supermarket shopping, doing her own thing, one of Nina's quote unquote friends let her in on a little teeny bit of information that she was missing the whole time working for them. Right. Speaking of crazy, tell me why Nina start off the beginning of Last Books and Boys going crazy, blaming Millie for stealing the bag of clothing that she gave her earlier on in the book. I hope you remember that, but she gave her a bag of clothing, a trash bag filled with clothing that apparently can't or couldn't fit her anymore. And now in her head, Millie stole it from her and has all of her clothes hiding in the attic in her closet. So she have the house in a uproar. Good thing CC in there because it would have been even worse. She don't, she don't ever take away from the situation. She's odd to the stress. Okay. So, boom, the house in an uproar, Nina calling Millie a liar, a thief, and telling her she need to go back to jail, and how would she feel if her parole officer knew about something like this? Just crazy, okay? Then comes Andrew walking down the stairs, obviously after hearing so much commotion, screaming, yelling, whatever. And Nina lets him in on this little piece of information. Once again, oh, Millie stole my stuff. She's a thief. We got to kick her out. We got to send her back to jail. And Andrew say, cut that right there. 
cut that right there because I was right here when you was parking up them clothes, putting them in the trash bag, talking about some you going to give it away or you going to donate it. Ain't nobody steal nothing from you. Stop lying on Millie name. Like, relax, pipe down, calm down. And when he say that, I levitate out my seat. Because I truly felt like Andrew didn't have the gall or the balls to stand up to Mina. But he did. You get me? You get me? So now, moving along, getting closer to where we are in the story, which is chapter 36. We know now that Nina has been kicked out of the house. Andrew told her that he don't want to be with her no more. He don't love her no more. She just, she don't make him happy anymore. So she has been kicked out. Kicked out. And now Millie is the new head nigga in charge of the Winchester house. She practically Andrew's girlfriend. All right. And that's how she got to the supermarket because she was doing some shopping for the house. Normal stuff. You dig? And lo and behold, homegirl Nina was stalking her. You feel me? So for all the itty bitty teensy details that you want to get to connect the story, don't forget to tune into last week's Books and Boys because it was hot. Let me tell you that. But for today's episode, we are kicking it off with 36. Chapter 36, ending at chapter 40. Okay? 36. Andrew is stuck at work tonight. He sent me a regretful text at a quarter to seven. Problem at work, I'm stuck here at least another hour. Eat without me. I texted back, no problem, drive safely. But inside, I was reeling with disappointment. I had so much fun having dinner in Manhattan with Andrew and I had been attempting to recreate one of the meals we had at that French restaurant. That's cute. Hmm. Steak au pervert. I don't know if I say that right. I ain't French. My fault. I used black peppercorns that I picked up at the supermarket after I work up the nerve to go back in. Minced shallot, cognac, red wine, beef broth, and heavy whipping cream. The smell was incredible. Side note, y'all, it's raining outside. It's gloomy. It's a rainy day. So perfect vibe for this story, for this book. Let's continue. The smell was incredible, but it wasn't going to keep for another hour or two. Steak just isn't the same reheated. I had no choice but to eat my magnificent dinner all alone. And now it's sitting in my stomach like a rock while I flick through stations of the television. I don't like being in this house alone. When Andrew's here, it feels like his house, which it is. But when he's not here, the whole place reeks of Nina. Her perfume emanates from every crack and crevice. She's marked her territory with her scent like an animal. Even though Andrew told me not to, I did a deep clean of the house after my shopping trip, trying to get rid of her perfume. But I can still smell it. As obnoxious as Patrice was in the supermarket, she did me one big favor. Nina was tracking me. I found the tracking app hidden in a random folder, somewhere I never would have seen it. I deleted it immediately, but I still can't shake the feeling that she's watching me. I close my eyes and I think of the warning Enzo gave me this morning. You must get out of here. 
you are in terrible danger. He was afraid of Nina. I could see it in his eyes when he and I were talking and she passed him with an air shot. You are in terrible danger. I put away a wave of nausea. She's gone now. But maybe she could still hurt me. The sun has gone down and when I look out the window, all I can see is my reflection. I stand up from the sofa and walk over to the window, my heart pounding. I press my forehead against the cool glass, peering into the dark outside. Is that a car parked outside the gates? I squint into the darkness, trying to figure out if I'm just imagining things. I suppose I could go outside and get a closer look. Cut that short right there. Excuse me, are you dumb? Are you slow? You see a car parked outside the gate. Okay, you outside the gate. I mean, you ain't supposed to be in here. Hello? Whoever outside the gate that went on them? Your concern is inside the gate. Even if they was inside the gate, stay your hip inside the house. Oh, y'all is be doing too much, man. Continuing on before I get too hyper. But that would involve unlocking the doors to the house. Of course, what's the difference if the door is unlocked when Nina has a key? My thoughts are interrupted by the sound of my phone ringing on the coffee table. I hurry over to grab it before I miss the call and frown when I find another blocked number on the screen. I shake my head. Another spam call, just what I need. I press the green button to accept the call, expecting to hear that obnoxious recorded voice, but instead I hear a distorted mechanical voice stay away from andrew winchester i suck in a breath nina i couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman much less whether it was nina then there's a click on the other line it's gone dead i swallow i've had enough of nina's games starting tomorrow i'm taking back this house i'm calling a locksmith to change the locks on the doors and tonight, I'm spending the night in the master bedroom. Enough of this guest bedroom bullshit. I'm not a guest here anymore. Andrew said he wanted this to become permanent. So now, this is my home too. I head for the stairs, taking them two at a time. I keep going until I get up to the stuffy room in the attic, my bedroom. Except it won't be my bedroom after tonight. I'm packing everything up and moving downstairs. This will be my last time in this claustrophobic little room with the weird lock on the outside of the door. I grab one of my pieces of luggage out of the closet. I start throwing clothing inside, not bothering to be too careful, given that I'm just carrying it down one flight of stairs. Of course, I'll have to ask Andrew's permission before I clean out a drawer downstairs, but he can't expect me to live up here anymore. It's inhuman. This room is like some sort of torture chamber. Millie, what are you doing? The voice from behind me nearly gives me a heart attack. I clutch my chest and turn around. Andrew, I didn't hear you come in. His gaze, oh, y'all get me, I get scared. His gaze darts over at my luggage. What are you doing? I shoved a handful of bras I was holding into the luggage. Well, I thought I might move downstairs. Oh, is, is that okay? 
I feel suddenly awkward. I had assumed Andrew would be fine with it, but maybe I shouldn't have made that assumption. He takes a step toward me. I bite down on my lip until it hurts. Of course it's okay. I was going to suggest it myself, but I wasn't sure if you'd want to. My shoulders sag. I definitely want to. I, I had kind of a rough day. What have you been up to? I saw some of my books on the coffee table. Have you been reading? I wish that's all I had been doing today. Honestly, I don't want to talk about it. He takes another step closer and reaches out to trace my jaw with the finger, with the tip of his finger. Maybe I can make you forget about it. I shiver at his touch. I bet you could. And he does. Y'all getting, y'all getting wild already. Chapter 37. Despite how incredibly uncomfortable my cot is compared with the incredible mattress in the guest room, I pass out soon after Andrew and I make love up there, wrapped tightly in his arms. I never thought I would be having sex in this room, especially since Nina was so strict about letting me have any guests over. That rule certainly didn't work out too well for her. I wake up again at around 3 in the morning. The first sensation I become aware of is my bladder, full and slightly uncomfortable. I've got to hit the bathroom. Usually, I go right before bed, but Andrew wore me out and I fell asleep before I could muster up the energy. Excuse me? After something like that, you're supposed to go to the bathroom. Necessity. Are you trying to get sick, baby girl? And that's the other sensation I become aware of. A sense of emptiness. Andrew isn't in the cot anymore. I suspect after I fell asleep, he decided to relocate to his own bed. I can't blame him. What? So he didn't, um, he didn't lift her. He didn't take her from the attic to the master bedroom. Like, oh, he didn't wake up. Like, I confused. I confused. Okay. I suspect after I fell asleep, he decided to relocate to his own bed. I can't blame him. This cot is hardly comfortable for one person, much less two, and the room is so claustrophobic. Maybe he tried to tough it out, but after tossing and turning, he migrated downstairs. Andrew is more than 10 years older than me, and my back can barely make it through the night with this mattress, so I can hardly blame him. I'm so glad this is the last night I'll be sleeping here. Maybe after I use the bathroom, I'll go join Andrew downstairs. I rise to my feet, the floorboards groaning under my weight. I make my way to the door and turn the doorknob. As usual, it sticks, so I turn it more firmly. It still doesn't turn. Panic mounts in my chest. I press myself against the door. The stra- No. I panicking. Panic mounting in my chest. I press myself against the door. The scratch marks in the wood splintering into my shoulder and place my right hand squarely on the knob. I try once again to turn it clockwise, but it doesn't budge, not even a millimeter. And that's when I realize what's going on. The door isn't stuck, it's locked. Part two, chapter 38, Nina. Ooh, this Nina chapter? Hold on, okay. 
If a few months ago someone had told me I would be spending tonight in a hotel room while Andy was at my house with another woman, the maid, I wouldn't have believed it. But here I am, dressed in a terry cloth bathrobe I found in the closet, stretched out in the queen size hotel bed. The television is on but I'm barely aware of it. I've got my phone out and I click on the app I've been using for the last several months, find my friends. I wait for it to tell me the location of Wilhelmina, Millie, Calloway, but under her name it says location not found. The same as it has since the afternoon. She must have figured out I was tracking her and disabled the app. Smart girl, but not smart enough. I pick up my purse from where I put it down on the nightstand. I dig around inside until I find the one paper photograph I have of Andy. It's a few years old, a copy of the photographs he had professionally taken for the company website, and he gave me one of them. I stare into his deep brown eyes on the shiny piece of paper, his perfect mahogany hair, the hint of a cleft in his strong chin. Andrew is the most handsome man I've ever known in real life. I fell half in love with him the first moment I saw him, and then... I find one other object inside my purse and I drop it into the pocket of my robe. I get up off the queen size bed, my feet sinking into the plush carpet of the hotel room. This room is costing Andy's credit card a fortune, but that's okay. I won't be here long. I go into the bathroom and I hold up the photograph of Andy's smiling face. Then I pull out the contents of my pocket. It's a lighter. I flick the starter until a yellow flame shoots out of it. <laughs> I hold the flickering light to the edge of the photograph until it catches. I watch my husband's handsome face turn brown and disintegrate until the zinc is full of ashes. <laughs> and I smile, my first real smile in almost eight years. I can't believe I finally got rid of that asshole. Oh, okay. It have like asterisks. I don't really know how to share this with y'all or like describe what it is, but it have asterisks and then it says how to get rid of your sadistic evil husband. A guide by Nina Winchester. Step one, get knocked up by a drunken one night stand, drop out of school and take a crappy job to pay the bills. My boss, Andrew Winchester is ever so dreamy. He's not actually my boss. He's more like my boss's boss's boss. There may be a few other layers in there of people in the chain between him, the CEO of this company since my father's retirement, and me, a receptionist. So when I'm sitting at my desk outside my actual boss's office and I admire him from afar, it's not like I'm crushing on an actual man. It's more like I'm admiring a famous actor at a movie premiere or possibly even a painting at the Fine Arts Museum, especially since I have zero room in my life for a date, much less a boyfriend. This sounded like Millie, but I think that this is Nina's story, like how she meet Andrew. So, cool. He is just so good looking though. All that money and also so handsome. It would say something about life just being unfair if the guy wasn't so nice. Like for example, 
When he went in to talk to my own boss, a guy at least 20 years, his senior named Stuart Lynch, who clearly resents being bossed around by a guy who he calls the kid, Andrew Winchester, stopped at my desk and smiled at me and called me by name. He said, hello, Nina. How are you today? Obviously, he doesn't know who I am. He just read my name off my desk. But still, it was nice that he made the effort. I liked hearing my ordinary four-letter name on his tongue. Andrew and Stuart have been in this office talking for about half an hour. Stuart instructed me not to leave while Mr. Winchester was in there because he might need me to fetch some data from the computer. I can't quite figure out what Stuart does because all I do is his work, but that's fine. I don't mind as long as I get my paychecks and my health insurance. Cecilia and I need a place to live, and the pediatrician says there's a set of shots she requires next month for diseases she doesn't even have. But what I mind a little more is that Stuart didn't warn me he was going to ask me to wait around. I'm supposed to be pumping now. My breasts are full and aching with milk, straining at the clips of my flimsy nursing bra. I'm trying my best not to think about Cece because if I do, the milk will most certainly burst through my nipples. And that's just not the kind of thing you want to happen when you're sitting at your desk. Cece is with my neighbor Elena right now. Elena is also a single mother, so we trade babysitting duties. My hours are more regular and she works evening shifts at a bar. So I take Teddy for her and she takes Cece for me. We are making it work, barely. I miss Cece when I'm at work. I think about her all the time. So boss, she just says she ain't gonna think about Cece, but yeah, she is thinking about Cece. <laughs> okay. I miss Cece when I'm at work. I think about her all the time. I had always fantasized that when I had a baby, I would be able to stay at home for at least the first six months. Instead, I just took my two weeks of vacation and went right back to work even though it still sort of hurt to walk. Excuse me, y'all. They would have allowed me 12 weeks off, but the other 10 would have been unpaid. Who could afford 10 weeks unpaid? Certainly not me. Sometimes Elena resents her son for what she gave up for him. I was in graduate school when I got that positive pregnancy test, leisurely working on a PhD in English as I lived in semi-poverty. It hit me when I saw those two blue lines that my eternal graduate school lifestyle would never provide for me and my unborn child. The next day I quit and I started pounding the pavement looking for something to pay the bills. This isn't my dream job, far from it, but the salary is decent, the benefits are great and the hours are steady and not too long. And I was told there's room for advancement eventually. But right now, I have to get through the next 20 minutes without my breasts leaking. I'm this close to running off to the bathroom with my little pumping backpack and my tiny little milk bottles when Stuart's voice crackles out of the intercom. Nina, he barks at me. Could you bring in the greedy data? Yes, sir. Right away. I get on my computer and load up the files he wants. Then I hit print. It's about 50 pages worth of data and I sit there. Tapping my toes against the ground, watching the printer spit out each page. When the final page printed, <laughs> when the final page finishes printing, 
I yank out the sheets of paper and hurry over to his office. I crack open the door. Mr. Lynch, sir? Come on in, Nina. I let the door swing the rest of the way open. Right away, I notice both men are staring at me and not in that appreciative way I used to get at bars before I got knocked up and my whole life changed. They're looking at me like I've got a giant spider hanging off of my hair and I don't even know it. I'm about to ask them what the hell both of them are staring at me for when I look down and figure out I leaked. I didn't just leaked. Ooh, sorry. I didn't just leak. I squirted milk out like the office cow. There are two huge circles around each of my nipples and a few droplets of milk are trickling down my blouse. I want to crawl under a desk and die. Nina, Stuart cries, get yourself cleaned up. Right, I say quickly. I'm so sorry. I, I drop the papers on Stuart's desk and hurry out of the office as fast as I can. I grab my coat to hide my blouse, all the while blinking back tears. I'm not even sure what I'm more upset about. The fact that my boss's boss's boss saw me lactating or all the milk I just wasted. I take my pump to the bathroom, plug it in, and relieve the pressure in my breasts. Despite all my embarrassment, it feels so good to empty all that milk. Maybe better than sex. Not that I remember what sex feels like. The last time was that stupid, stupid one-night stand that got me into the situation to begin with. I filled two entire five-ounce bottles and stick them in my bag with an ice pack. I'll put it in the refrigerator until it's time to go home. Right now, I've got to get back to my desk and leave my coat on for the rest of the afternoon because I have recently discovered that even if it dries, milk leaves a stain. When I crack open the door to the bathroom, I'm shocked to see someone standing there. And it's not just anyone. It's Andrew Winchester, my boss's boss's boss. His fist is raised in the air, poised to knock on the door. His eyes widen when he sees me. Um, hi, I say. The man's room is um, over there. I feel stupid saying that. I mean, this is his company. Also, there's a stencil of a woman with a dress on the door to the bathroom. He should realize this is the woman's room. Actually, he says, I was looking for you. For me? He nods. I wanted to see if you were okay. I'm fine. I try to smile, hiding my humiliation from earlier. It's just milk. I know, but he frowns. Stuart was a jerk to you. That was unacceptable. Yeah, well, I'm tempted to tell him. What? Okay, I just making sure. I'm tempted to tell him of a hundred other instances when Stuart was a jerk to me, but it's a bad idea to talk shit about my boss. It's fine. Anyway, I was just about to grab some lunch, so. Me too, he arches an eyebrow. Care to join me? Of course I say yes. Even if he wasn't my boss's boss's boss, I would have said yes. He's gorgeous, for starters. I love his smile, the crinkling around his eyes, and the hint of a cleft in his chin. But it's not like he's asking me out on a date. He just feels bad because of what happened before in Stuart's office. Probably someone from HR told him to do it to smooth things over. I follow Andrew Winchester downstairs to the lobby of the building that he owns. I assume he is going to take me to one of the many fancy restaurants in the neighborhood 
so I'm shocked when he leads me over to the hot dog cart right outside the building and joins the line. Oh my gosh. Best hot dogs in the city, he winks at me. What do you like on yours? Um, mustard, I guess. When we get to the front of the line, he orders two hot dogs, both with mustard and two bottles of water. He hands me a hot dog and a bottle of water and leads me to a brownstone down the block. He sits on the steps and I join him. It's almost comical. This handsome man sitting on the steps of the brownstone in his expensive suit, holding a hot dog covered in mustard. Thank you for the hot dog, Mr. Winchester, I say. Andy, he corrects me. Andy, I repeat. I take a bite of my hot dog. It's pretty good. Best in the city, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, it's bread and mystery meat. How old is your baby, he asks. My face flushes with pleasure, the way it always does when someone asks me about my daughter. Five months? What's her name? Cecilia. That's nice, he grins, like the song. Now he has scored big points because the Simon and Garfunkel song is why I named her that, although the spelling is different. It was my parents' favorite song. It was their song before that plane crash took them from me. And it made me feel close to them again to honor them that way. We sit there for the next 20 minutes eating our hot dogs and talking. It surprises me how down-to-earth Andy Winchester is. I love the way he smiles at me. I love the way he asks me questions about myself like he's really interested. I'm not surprised he's done so well with the company. He's so good with people. Whatever HR told them to do with me, he's done a good job. I'm definitely not upset anymore about the incident in Stewart's office. I better get back, I tell him. When my watch reads half past one, Stuart will kill me if I get back late from lunch. I don't point out the fact that Stuart works for him. He stands up and brushes crumbs off of his hands. I have a feeling hot dogs were not the lunch you were expecting from me. It's fine. And it is. I had a great time eating hot dogs with Handy. Let me make it up to you, he looks me in the eyes. Let me take you out to dinner tonight. My jaw drops. Andrew Winchester could have any woman he wants. Anyone. Why would he want to take me out to dinner? But he asks. And I want to go so badly, which makes it almost painful to have to turn him down. I can't. <laughs> I don't have anyone to babysit. My mother is going to be in the city tomorrow afternoon anyway, he says. She loves babies. She'd be thrilled to watch Cecilia for you. Now my mouth is hanging open. Not only did he invite me to dinner, but when I presented him with a barrier, he came up with a solution involving his mother. He really does want to go to dinner with me. How could I say no? Y'all, I don't know why. I don't know if it's Nina, but reading, I was fine. I was fine from the beginning. Reading, it, reading Nina's chapters. Have my throat scratchy. I'm even like I straining to tell a story, to tell a backstory. Like it's like my body don't really want to do this. Nina, what are you doing to me? Let's see what's up. Let's see what we can get on. Let's see. Let's see what we can get on. <laughs> okay. And her stuff so long is crazy. So y'all, we are on, we are on 39. 
depending on how my throat feels after 39 we might have to stop because it's like i really am straining i don't know if y'all get at a difference it's like i really am straining to read or tell a story i wasn't joking about that so we can see how we feeling but i enjoying the i enjoying the book i really enjoying nina's backstory because i just want to get to why millie lock in the attic but chapter 39 step two naively marry sadistic evil man so in nina's head andrew is evil andy and i have been married for three months and sometimes i have to pinch myself our courtship was quick before i met andy all the men i dated just wanted to play games but andy wasn't about games from the night of our magical first date he made his intentions clear to me he was looking for a serious relationship he had been engaged before a year earlier to a woman named Kathleen, but it didn't work out. He was ready to get married. He was willing to take on both me and Cecilia. And from my perspective, he was everything I was looking for. I wanted a secure home for me and my daughter. I wanted a man with a steady job who would be a father figure for my little girl. I wanted a man who was kind and responsible and well, yes, attractive. Andy checked off every single box. In the days leading up to our wedding, I kept looking for flaws. Nobody could possibly be as perfect as Andy Winchester. He had to have a secret gambling problem or maybe a whole other family stashed away in Utah. I even contemplated calling Kathleen, the former fiancé. Damn, he'd shown me photographs of her. She had blonde hair like me and a sweet face, but I didn't her- Oh my gosh, see, I, I- Sorry, y'all. I, I, sorry. But I didn't know her last name and I couldn't locate her on social media. But at least she wasn't talking trash about him all over the internet. I took that as a good sign. The only thing about Andy that isn't ideal is, well, his mother. Evelyn Winchester is around a little bit more than I would like. And I wouldn't call her the warmest person in the world. Despite Andy's assurance that she loves babies and is thrilled to watch Cece, she always seems a bit put out when we ask her to babysit. And the evening invariably invariably <laughs> concludes with a set of criticisms of my parenting, thinly veiled as suggestions. But I am marrying Andy, not his mother. No one likes their mothers-in-law, right? I can deal with Evelyn, especially since she doesn't have that much interest in me in general outside my apparent lack of parenting skills. If that's the only thing wrong with Andy, I'm in good shape. So I married him. And even three months later, I haven't quite come down from my cloud yet. I can't believe that I have the financial stability to stay home with my little girl. I do want to go back to graduate school eventually, but right now I want to soak up every minute of my family. Cece and Andy. <clears throat> How could one woman get so lucky? And in return, I try to be a perfect wife. In my little free time, I work out at the gym to make sure I'm in perfect shape. I bought a wardrobe of absolutely impractical white clothing because he adores me in white. I've studied recipes online and I'm trying to cook for him as much as I can. I want to be worthy of this incredible life he's given me. So she's sounding like a Millie to me right now. She's she's sounding like Millie trying to make sure that they look good for Andrew, doing what Andrew like or whatever the case may be. 
and her story sounds a little teensy bit tiny bit like millie and i feel like that's why she was so well that's why she's so jealous of millie because he told diana like he's doing the same thing with millie that he was doing to nina or with nina that's how they story start whatever anyway tonight i kissed cecilia on her baby smooth cheek taking a few extra seconds to stare down at her and taking the sound of her deep breathing and the scent of baby powder I took a strand of her soft blonde hair between one of her nearly translucent ears. It is so beautiful. I love her so much. Sometimes I feel like I could just eat her up. When I come out of her bedroom, Andy is waiting outside for me. He's smiling at me. His dark hair without even a strand out of place. Every bit as gorgeous as that first day I met him. I still don't understand why he picked me. He could have had any woman in the world. Why me? But maybe I shouldn't question it. I should just be happy. There we go, because I was going to say that. Hey, he says. He tucks a strand of my own blonde hair behind my ear. I can see her roots starting to show a bit. Damn. Andrew, what's going on? Oh, I touched my hairline self-consciously. Andy loves blonde hair, so I started going to the salon after we got engaged to lighten my hair to more of a golden shade. See, now I blame an Andrew. Now I feel like Andrew's the bad guy. Because you find this girl and you probably thought that she was a project. You felt like she was a project, Andrew. He, yeah, he bring her in or whatever, but now she have to change her hair color. She have to keep touching up her roots because you only like blonde girls, supposedly. Oh, you only like to see her in white, so now her whole wardrobe is white. And that, da, 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 da. now you playing it like she's the crazy one. I feel like he make her crazy. She giving some hints of being loco. Hell, but it's like I feel like Andrew made her what she is or who she is now. So let's just see how this play out. Oh, Andy loves blonde hair. So I started going to the salon after we got engaged to lighten my hair to more of a golden shade gosh i guess i've been so busy with cc it just slipped my mind i can't quite read the expression on his face he's still smiling but there's something off about it it doesn't bother him that much that i missed the hair appointment does it listen he says i need your help with something first i lift an eyebrow glad he doesn't seem too upset about my hair sure what is it he raises his eyes in the direction of the ceiling there are some papers from work that i stashed in the upstairs storage area i was wondering if you could help me try to find them i've got to get this contract done tonight and then after we can <laughs> he grins at me you know he doesn't have to tell me twice i've been living in this house for about four months now and i've never been up to the storage area in the attic I climbed the stairs up there once while Cece was taking a nap, but the door was locked, so I turned back. Andy says it's just a bunch of papers, nothing too exciting, and the truth is, I don't love going up there. I don't have any crazy phobias about attics, but the staircase leading up there is kind of creepy. It's dark, and the stairs creak with every step. As I follow Andy up the staircase, I stay close to him. When we get to the top of the stairs, Andy leads me down the small hallway to the locked door at the end. 
He gets out his set of keys and fits one of them in to the lock. Then he throws the door open and tugs on a cord to turn on the light. I blink as my eyes adjust to the light and I take in my surroundings. This is not a storage closet like I thought it would be. It's more like a tiny room with a cot pushed up into the corner. There's even a little dresser and a mini fridge. There's a single tiny window at the far end of the room. Oh, I scratch my chin. This is a room. I thought it would just be junk and storage stuff. Well, I store everything in the closet over there, he explains, pointing to the closet near the bed. I walk over to the closet and peer inside. There is nothing inside except a blue bucket. There are no papers at all, much less enough for searching through them to be a two-person job. I don't quite understand what he would like me to do. Then I hear a door slam shut. I lift my head and turn around. Suddenly, I'm all alone in this tiny room. What the hell? Nina, I'm sorry for doubting your story. Ooh. Then I hear a door slam shut. I lift my head and turn around. Suddenly, I'm all alone in this tiny room. Andy has left the room and shut the door behind him. Andy? I call out. I cross the room in two strides and reach for the doorknob, but it doesn't turn. I try harder, throwing my weight into it, but still no luck. The doorknob doesn't even budge an inch. It's locked. Andy? I call out again. No answer. Andy! What the hell is going on here? Maybe he went downstairs to get something and the door blew shut, but that doesn't explain why there aren't any papers in this room when he said that we were coming up here to get them. I pound on the door with my fist. Andy! Still, no answer. I press my ear against the door. I hear footsteps, but they're not coming closer. They're getting further away, disappearing down the stairwell. All this doing is reminding me of Enzo. I don't know about y'all, but hey. Enzo told Millie stupid hitman. Damn. He must not hear me. That's the only explanation. I pat my pockets, but my phone is in the bedroom. There is no way to call him. Damn it. My eyes fall on the window. There's one tiny little window in the corner of the room. I walk over and look outside, realizing that the window looks out onto the backyard, so there's no way to get anybody's attention outside. I'm stuck here until Andy returns. I'm not exactly... Uh, Nina, you, you scared me now. I'm not exactly claustrophobic, but this room is very small with a low ceiling that slants over the bed. And the idea that I'm locked in here is starting to freak me out. Yes, Andy will come back shortly, but I don't like this enclosed space. My breathing... <clears throat> no, my throat, sorry. My breathing quickens and my fingertips start to tingle. I've got to get that window open. Also, all the pausing and stuff, y'all hear me doing all the little talking or whatever. I know y'all realize that I ain't really edit and I'm out no more because it's like, on my podcast i want it to be free i don't want it to sound so uptight or so perfect yes i'm reading a book to y'all but it's not like an audiobook i want y'all to feel like we just having a book study you feel me so yeah i don't know if you noticed that but hey 
I push against the bottom of the window, but the window doesn't budge, not even a millimeter. For a moment, I think maybe it swings out, but it doesn't. What the hell is wrong with the stupid window? I take a deep breath, trying to calm myself down. I look closer at the window and it's painted shut. When Andy comes back up here, I'm going to give it to him. I consider myself pretty even-tempered, but I do not like being locked in this room. We've got to do something about this lock on the door to make sure it doesn't lock automatically again. I mean, what if both of us had been in here? We would have really been stuck. I go back to pounding on the door. Andy! I scream at the top of my lungs. Andy! After 15 minutes, my voice is hoarse from screaming. Why hasn't he come back? Even if he can't hear me, he must have realized I'm still an addict. What could I possibly be doing up here by myself? I don't even know what papers he wants. I mean, was he walking down the stairs, tripped, and fell the rest of the way down the stairs, and is now lying unconscious in a pool of blood at the bottom? Because that's the only thing that makes sense to me. So, you skipping the fact that he probably, maybe, maybe he locked you in there? I just ask him. 30 minutes later, I'm about to go out of my mind. My throat aches and my fists are red from pounding on the door. I want to burst into tears. Where is Andy? What is going on here? Just when I feel like I'm about to lose my mind, I hear a voice from the other side of the door. Andy, I cry. Thank God, I got locked in here. Didn't you hear me screaming? There's a long silence on the other side of the door. Yes, I did. I don't even know what to say to that. If he heard me, why didn't he let me out? But I can't deal with that right now. I just want to get out of this room. Can you please open the door? Another long silence. No, not yet. What? I don't understand, I sputter. Why can't you let me out? Did you lose the key? No. So let me out. I said, not yet. I flinch at the sharpness of her last two words. I don't understand what's going on here. Why won't he let me out of the attic? I stare at the door between us. I try the doorknob one more time, hoping maybe it's some kind of joke. It's still locked. Andy, you need to let me out of here. Don't tell me what to do in my own house. His voice has an odd intonation that I barely recognize him. You have to learn your lesson before you can be let out. A cold, sick feeling runs down my spine. While Andy and I were engaged, he seemed so perfect. He was sweet, romantic, handsome, wealthy, and good to Cecilia. I had been searching for his one fatal flaw. I found it. Andy, I say, please let me out of here. I don't know what you're upset about, but we can work it out. Just unlock the door and we'll talk. I don't think so. His voice is calm and even. The exact opposite of how I'm feeling right now. The only way to learn is to see the consequences of your actions. I suck in a breath. <laughs> Andy, you let me out of this fucking room right now. I kick the door hard, although my bare feet don't make too much of an impact. Mostly, it just hurts my toes. I wait to hear the door unlocking, but there is nothing. I swear to God, Andy, I growl. Let me out of this room. Let me out. 
you're upset. He acknowledges. I'll come back when you've calmed down. And then his footsteps grow more distant. He's walking away. Andy! I scream. Don't you dare walk away. Come back. Come back and let me the fuck out of here. Andy, (laughs) if you don't let me out of here, I'm leaving you. Let me out. I pound with both fists. I'm calm. Just let me out. But the footsteps go fainter until they finally disappear. And that's where we can stop for this episode, y'all. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. At least it's not where we want to stop. Y'all, like it's so, it's so, uh, it's crazy. Now we can continue. I can't do it like that. I can't do myself like that. Chapter 40, as promised. Step three, discover your husband is pure evil. It's midnight. Three hours later, I pounded at the door and scraped at the wood until I had splinters under my fingernails. I screamed until I lost my voice. I figured even if he wasn't going to let me out, maybe the neighbors would hear. But after an hour, I gave up hope of that. Now I'm sitting on the cot in the corner of the room. Springs poke into my butt cheeks as I finally let the tears roll down my cheeks. I don't know what he plans to do to me, but all I can think about is Cecilia, asleep in her crib, alone with that psychopath. What will he do to me? What will he do to her? If I ever get out of here, I'm going to grab Cece and run as far and run as far as I can away from this man. I don't care how much money he has. I don't care if we're illegally married. I want out. Nina, Andy's voice. I jump off the bed and sprint over to the door. Andy, I choke out with what's left of my voice. You lost your voice, he acknowledges. I don't know what to say to that. <clears throat> I mean, my voice sounded real accurate for what I read right now. Damn it. And I throw. You shouldn't bother screaming, he tells me. Everything is soundproof below the attic, so nobody will hear you. I could be having a dinner party downstairs and they would never hear you screaming. Please let me out, I whimper. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'll agree to whatever he wants if he'll let me out of here. Of course, once the door is open, I'm leaving him. I don't care if the prenup says I'll get nothing for ending the marriage within the first year. Anything to get the hell out of here. Don't worry, Nina, he says. I'm going to let you out, I promise. I let out a breath. Just not yet, he adds. You have to learn the consequences of what you've done. What are you talking about? Consequences of what? Your hair. His voice is filled with disgust. I can't have my wife walking around like a slob with dark roots showing. My roots. I can't believe he was that upset over it. I mean, it's just a few millimeters of hair. I'm so sorry, I promise. I'll make an appointment with the hairdresser right away. That's not enough. I press my forehead against the door. I'll go first thing tomorrow morning, I swear. He yawns on the other side of the door. I'm going to sleep now. You just hang tight and we'll talk more in the morning about your punishment. Damn y'all. Think I jack up by reading chapter 40. His footsteps fade as he walks away. Even though my hands are aching from the banging on the doors, I do it again. 
I slammed my fist against the door so hard, I can't believe I don't break every bone in my hand. Auntie, don't you dare leave me here overnight. Come back here. Come back. But he ignores me like he did before. I sleep in that room. Of course I do. What choice do I have? I didn't think I would end up drifting off, but somehow I did. Between all the screaming and pounding on the door, the adrenaline gave way to exhaustion and I passed out on that uncomfortable old cot. The cot isn't that much worse than the bed I used to sleep in back in the tiny apartment I had when it was just me and Cecilia, but I've gotten used to Andy's memory foam mattress. I think back to when it was just me and Cece. I was always overwhelmed, always on the brink of tears. I had no idea how good I had it before I was married to a psychopath who would lock me in a room overnight just because I missed a hairdresser appointment. Cece. I hope she's okay. If that asshole touches even one hair on her head, I swear I will kill him. I don't care if I go to jail for the rest of my life. My back is aching when I wake up in the morning and my head is pounding. But worst of all, my bladder is full. Painfully full. This is the oh, this is the most pressing need of all. Except, what can I do? The bathroom is outside this room. Then again, if I wait much longer, I'm going to pee my pants. I get up and pace the room. I try the doorknob one more time, hoping maybe I just imagined everything that happened last night and it will open magically. No such luck. It's still locked. I remember when I locked... Damn. I remember when I looked in the closet, there was only one item in there, a bucket. Andy set this whole thing up. He tricked me into coming in here. He installed a lock on the outside of the door and he also put that bucket in there for a reason. I'm really going to have to do this. I suppose there are worse things than peeing in a bucket. I drag it out of the closet and I do what I have to do. Then I stick it back in there. Hopefully I won't have to use it again. My mouth feels parched and stomach is growling, even though eating would make me sick. Considering how he set up the bucket, I wonder if he put that same consideration into other parts of the room. I throw open the mini fridge, hoping for some sort of bounty of food in there. Instead, there are three mini water bottles. Three beautiful water bottles. I almost faint from relief. I grab one of the bottles, crack it open, and guzzle it practically in one gulp. My throat still feels dry and raw, but slightly better. I eye the other two bottles. I would love to have another one, but I'm scared. How long will Andy leave me in here? I have no idea. I should conserve my resources. Nina, are you awake? Andy's voice at the door. I stumble over to it, my head pounding with each step. Andy? Good morning, Nina. I shut my eyes against a wave of dizziness. Is Cecilia okay? She's fine. I told my mother you went to visit some family and she's watching Cecilia until you get back. I let out a breath. At least my daughter is safe. Evelyn Winchester isn't my favorite person in the world, but she is a vigilant babysitter. Andy, please let me out. He ignores my request. It doesn't even surprise me at this point. Did you find the water in the fridge? Yes. And even though it kills me, I add, thank you. You're going to have to make it last. I can't give you any more. Then let me out, I croak. I will, he says, but you have to do something for me first. What? Anything. 
He pauses. You need to understand that hair is a privilege. Okay, I understand that. Do you, Nina? Because I feel like if you did understand it, you wouldn't walk around like a slob with your dark roots showing. I, I'm sorry for that. Because you couldn't take care of your hair, now you will give it to me. I have a horrible, sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. What? Not all of it. <laughs> he chuckles. Because of course, that will be ridiculous. I want a hundred strands. You... You want a hundred strands of my hair? That's right. He taps on the door. Give me one hundred strands of your hair and I'll let you out of the room. This is the strangest request I've ever heard. He wants to punish me for dark roots by giving him a hundred strands of my hair. There's that much nestled in my hairbrush. Does he have some sort of hair fetish? Is that what this is about? If you look into my brush... No, he interrupts me. I want it from your scalp. I want to see the root. I stand there, stunned. Are you serious? Does it sound like I'm joking? He snaps. His voice then softens. There are a few envelopes in the dresser drawer. You put the hairs in there and slide them under the door. If you do that, you will have learned your lesson and I'll let you out. Okay, I agree. I run a hand through my blonde hair and two strands come loose in my fingers. I'll have it for you in five minutes. I have to go to work now, Nina, he says irritably. But when I get home, you shall have the strands ready for me. But I can do it fast. I tug at the hair again and another strand comes free. I'll be home by seven, he says. And remember, I want fully intact hair. I'll have to see the root or it doesn't count. No, please. I grasp at my hair more violently this time. My eyes water, but only a few more strands rip loose. I'll do it now, just wait. But he's not going to wait. He's leaving. His footsteps disappear the way they did earlier. I've learned no amount of screaming or pounding on the door is going to get him to come back. There's no point in wasting my energy and aggravating my already agonizing headache. So she have a migraine. And she have to sit here and rip hair on her head. Andrew is sick. And now I'm scared to death for both Millie and for some reason Nina. Because I feel like if Andrew catch Nina there, he'll blow a fuse. I scared for Millie because of Andrew. And I scared for Nina because of Andrew. And I scared for Millie because of what Nina's probably going to do to Millie. Because she's jealous and she mad. And like, all in all. I scared for Millie and Nina for different reasons. So there is no point in wasting my energy and aggravating my already agonizing headache. I have to focus on getting him what he wants. Then I can get back to my daughter and I can escape this house forever. Y'all, that would be all. Oh my gosh, it's over. That was a lot, a lot of emotions, a lot of stuff going on for me. I, in this room, getting goosebumps, my hair standing up. Listen, it's crazy. But I love you all. Stay beautiful. I'm going to see you all on Sunday when I drop another episode. You for me, tune in. Down below, I'm going to have my YouTube channel so you all can subscribe there. If you want to see my face, if you're interested in more content from me in a different format. And yeah. Again, I love y'all. See y'all later. Toodles. Oh my gosh. <laughs>